They say that every story has a beginning and an end. That might be true in most cases. Sometimes, however, the two are one and the same. My name is Zoe Castillo. I don't usually look this pale, but that's what you get for being in a coma. That's my father, Gabriel. I'm all he's got in this world. My mother died 15 years ago and I don't have any siblings. I think he'll be very lonely when I'm gone. I wish I could have talked to him one last time, let him know that everything will be okay. But that would be a lie. The only thing I could have said is goodbye. This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, the pod pinhead, and this is my spoiler-free review of Dreamfall, The Longest Journey from Funcom, an adventure game that came out about a month ago for the Xbox and PC. I played and am reviewing the PC version, although, as far as I know, the two versions are effectively identical, with the possible exception that if you have a decent PC, the graphics might be a little bit better, and obviously you'll be able to run it in higher resolution. Dreamfall is the very long-awaited sequel to The Longest Journey, a game that came out six years ago, 2000, to immense acclaim, and was hailed by many as the best adventure game ever. It got huge reviews, and they released a Adventure Game of the Year edition, and was frequently reviewed above 90%, and got great reviews, Editor's Choice, and all that kind of stuff. The question then is, does Dreamfall live up to the high standard set by The Longest Journey? Well, I have no fucking idea because I never actually played The Longest Journey, though I did buy it immediately once I finished Dreamfall, so that should tell you something. What I can say with confidence is that Dreamfall is a pretty damn good game, no matter how you slice it. The main character is Zoe, Zoe Castillo, who dropped out of college and moved back home to Casablanca, where the story starts. You pick up at that point. You'll spend most of the game playing as Zoe, but you'll also play April Ryan, who is the main character from the previous game, now 10 years older and jaded and bitter, at least that's what the manual says, and you'll also play Keon, a religious fundamentalist assassin nutcase who isn't such a bad guy once you get to know him. As the game progresses, you will shift back and forth between these characters several times, uh, something that's always pulled off quite smoothly, even though it could be fairly jarring if they didn't do it right, but they do. In fact, the entire game really flows very well, and if you look back on it and try to figure out how you got from one scenario to the next, it it would seem like it wouldn't flow, but as you actually go through it, everything moves very naturally and fluidly from scene to scene, so even though you're going from one completely different scenario to another, in fact, they're always sort of logically connected, and you know it, it explains clearly how you get from one thing to the next. Dreamfall takes place in two separate worlds that are linked somehow, although not in a way that's very well explained by the game, as I understand that's more explained by the previous game. Stark is our world, some 200 years in the future, where technology is everywhere, yet everyone still carries around mobile phones. I guess they haven't evolved that technology too terribly much. Ten years or so before the events of Dreamfall, there was something called the collapse, which isn't very well explained, but basically it seems like the entire global network crashed. And as far as I can tell, this is something that happened after the events of The Longest Journey maybe has been connected to it. I'll find out soon enough when I play that game. But that is in the history of this world, and it looks like there are problems beginning to creep back into the network. This, I think they call it the wire in Dreamfall. And there is something called the static, and there is 
stability issues with the wire that are starting to concern people and they're getting worse. The other world in Dreamfall is Arcadia, a fantasy world with magic and lesbians. No, there are no lesbians, uh, at least not as far as I can remember. And there is an important connection between the worlds, which you do learn a little bit about as you play. But like I said, I think more of that was explained in Longest Journey. I'll start talking about the graphics. The graphics in Dreamfall are really pretty good on balance, especially for an adventure game, which is a genre that doesn't have a reputation for having stellar graphics to begin with. I mean, there some of the Myst stuff was not bad, but by and large, adventure games sort of have somewhat middling graphics. They're not really pushing the boundaries. And, you know, in a way, Dreamfall isn't really pushing the boundaries either. It's certainly not Far Cry or something along those lines. But it does look extremely good. The entire game is in 3D, unlike the predecessor, which was 3D characters on top of pre-rendered backgrounds. And you know, a lot of other adventure games took that approach too. The environments in Dreamfall are surprisingly detailed, considering that they are, in fact, full 3D. They're well-lit, they're well-modeled, they're well-textured. It actually isn't too taxing on the system either, which is kind of a surprise considering how good it looks. And even if you have everything cranked all the way up, which I did, I had everything except for anti-aliasing, which my video card is just not up to the task on that. But otherwise, I had everything cranked up all the way, and the game looked really good. And not quite Oblivion-level good, but for an adventure game, extremely good. And, you know, in a general sense, compared to most other games, it looks pretty good, too. The environments, I think, are the highlight of the game in terms of the graphics. All of them are pretty uniformly great, and there are a few that are really just head and shoulders above and beyond. Casablanca in particular, which is where you start the game, which is where Zoe and her father live in the beginning of the game. Well, that's where they live throughout the game, but that's where you start it, and it's this very interesting sort of mix of the old and the new, so it's not just super hyper-advanced, futuristic-looking city. In fact, it still has something that you might expect to see out of, you know, the 1920s in, I don't know, Morocco or something. There's brilliant lighting in all the environments. Obviously, they're using some kind of radiosity thing. In particular, the sunlight in Zoe's house in the first chapter you get to look at and it's really great the way that it comes through the windows and has these very brilliant hot spots on the floor and another nice thing about the lighting in the game is that they never make it so dark that you can't see anything actually they do once but that's just because you have to go find a light to to light the way but otherwise the game is actually well lit enough that you can see what's going on which is something that a lot of the more incompetent game developers out there seem to get confused with dramatic lighting. They figure that if they turn off all the lights all the time, then that's dramatic and it's going to make you tense and not just incredibly frustrated. But Dreamfall doesn't fall into that trap, and they do have everything actually pretty well lit, and you can see everything you need to see, and, and there's not a ridiculous amount of darkness that just makes it impossible to see anything and saves them from having to do the work of actually modeling or texturing anything. The art direction in the game, on the whole, is, is quite top-notch. It's not too mundane, and at the same time, it's not too ridiculously wild over-the-top stuff. Like, if you ever looked at some of the old versions of Tabula Rasa, this MMO that was scheduled to be released, they were originally going for this sort of crazy sci-fi look, like Fantasy Star times 100. And it was just totally ridiculous, which is something that Dreamfall doesn't do and that's kind of nice. The only environment in the game that I wasn't too fond of was Mercuria, which is the main town in Arcadia, the fantasy land. And I 
think that the game spent a little bit too much time there because it's just it's sort of a generic looking fantasy town and the developers are obviously capable of a whole lot more just based on looking at the other environments that they have in the game so it would have been nice if they had either spent more time in those environments or taken Mercuria and pushed a little bit. I think part of the reason they didn't push Mercuria you know, over the top in the way that they're capable of is because that was, from what I can tell, an environment that was in the previous game, so they were kind of restricted by what they had done six years ago. And in general, I think that maybe there's a little bit too much icy landscape in the game. I think that if they had done more stuff in the vein of Casablanca, it would be better, but there is at least, if you count Arcuria, three separate icy landscapes, and I got kind of sick of seeing ice by the end of the game. But fortunately, the other environments completely redeem them for that because they're pretty spectacular. Even the background cards in the environments are well done. You know, sometimes if you look at the background of a game, you can see that there are buildings off in the distance that aren't actually 3D. It's just a texture put onto a map. In Dreamfall, as in many other games, they have these, but you have to actually look to realize that they are cards and not full 3D objects because they took quite a bit of care to render them in 3D with some perspective, and so they blend in very well. I would be willing to bet that on the Xbox version on a TV, you wouldn't be able to see that they were cards at all. And that's actually quite an accomplishment because even the mighty Project Gotham 3 that everyone was saying was so amazing on the 360 had really obvious cards in the background. So the fact that Dreamfall made them blend quite well, even on the PC where you've got the high resolution and you can see all the details on the monitor, they blend quite well. And so that's an accomplishment that they should be proud of. The cutscenes, which are of course a huge part of the game, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later, are extremely well done. You could probably translate them shot for shot to a live action TV show or movie, which is kind of unusual for games in general, but in particular when a game is doing cutscenes using their engine, it seems that nine times out of ten they really just drop the ball because they don't cut it right or the cameras are terrible either they don't ever move or they move too much or they place them in weird sort of situations that normally you wouldn't put a camera or you know and and this is the thing that some of the worst games do where they have the timing of the cuts is extremely poor so they'll have a person say something that's supposed to close out a scene and it's supposed to be dramatic and then the camera just stays there and it takes another 10 seconds for it to decide that it's going to start fading out and it kind of undermines any immediacy that the scene might have had but that doesn't happen in Dreamfall their editing is extremely good and as I said especially for in-engine cutscenes that was something if you've played Xenosaga for the PlayStation 2 a game that I'm going to bash again later that they were just notorious for having terrible editing on their cutscenes and it just undermined any sort of storytelling and I think that's one of the reasons that the storytelling in Dreamfall is so good is because their cutscenes which as I said are a huge part of the game are done so very well and so whoever is responsible for those really needs to uh, give himself a pat on the back because he really pulled it off quite well and there are even some artsy somewhat pretentious shots in the cutscenes too which are more than you would kind of expect for that kind of game. There's a scene where a couple of characters are talking at length in silhouette, not unlike they have done in Star Wars and other movies like that. The effects in the game, I mean special effect kind of stuff, are, are really quite good. The one that stood out for me was when the ground is wet because it's raining or for whatever other reason it's wet. It looks really great. The specular lighting and the way that it reflects the environment around it really looks just I think it's probably the best wet surface I've ever seen in a game. And on those surfaces, the bump mapping and the specular mapping are used to extremely good effect. They're not just 
cranked so much that it looks ridiculous, but at the same time they really do sell the, sell the effect. There's a lot of displacement mapping in the game. I don't know if that shows up in the Xbox version, but it's, it seems to be definitely there in the PC version. And if you listen to the Oblivion review, I talked about the displacement mapping. This is where you can take a flat surface and make it look like it's actually got depth. And so as you move relative to the surface, you can see parallax shifts on the texture on the surface. They use that a lot in Dreamfall, and I think maybe they use it a little bit too much because sometimes they'll use it on a ground surface and they'll just have a kind of a bumpy displacement map and it almost looks like the ground is distorted like it went through like a wave filter in Photoshop or something but you know unless I were to point that out to you and or unless you were a real graphics nerd it's unlikely that you would ever notice that kind of stuff and the fact that they were able to use displacement mapping and have it actually run at a reasonable frame rate was kind of nice because when I tried to run Oblivion even at the lowest settings I could possibly get it was running like a dog and it looks like garbage. So on, on my PC, obviously not on the Xbox. And Dreamfall looked far better than Oblivion did and ran quite well on my PC. The character models in the game are very good. Zoe herself, the main character, is quite easy on the eyes, as are a couple of the other female characters in the game. And for the ladies who are playing, Keon is not too bad looking, although you don't get to see as much of him. Zoe has a nice habit of walking around in her underwear for a great deal of time, which is even nicer. The characters' faces are pretty good. The models are good, as well as the textures. One of the things that they did is it appears that they actually modeled all the characters' faces differently. So they have different facial constructions. So some people have big noses that poke out, and you know, some people have smaller noses, and some people have gigantic cheekbones and different shapes of their jaws. And it, it's clear that they put a lot of work into making all the characters actually look different instead of just taking a similar model and changing the color of the eyes or something like you see in, say, Dead or Alive, where every single character has the exact same body. It's just that they you know, are a little bit taller or a little bit shorter, or the breasts are a little bit bigger or a little bit smaller. But in the case of Dreamfall, they don't do that. They actually clearly went to a lot of work to make all the faces look different, which is probably why it's so much easier for them to do the cutscenes as if they were a live-action show, because they can hold on the faces and it doesn't just fall apart if you look at them for more than five seconds, like it would in, say, Dead or Alive. The animation in the game is not so wonderful. It's not awful, but it's just kind of average. The facial animations, particularly the lip sync, doesn't always synchronized to the dialogue all that well. I don't know if that's because it was originally synchronized to another language. I mean, this game was made in Norway, so I don't know if they originally developed it in English or in some other language. But for whatever reason, the lip sync doesn't always match. But, you know, lip sync is really hard. I've yet to see very many games that actually sell the lip sync well. Uh, unfortunately, Dreamfall didn't pull that off. Some of the actions in the game that the characters are doing when they're moving around or picking stuff up or activating switches, that kind of stuff, are a little bit stiff. Although some of the eye tracking, and again, this goes back to the thing with the faces and the cutscenes, when the characters are looking at things and the way that they're looking and their expressions is spot on. I think, again, that's one of the reasons that they can do it and cut it and edit it like as if it were live action, because they're able to get that degree of subtlety in the acting from the characters. Some of the animals in the game are also extremely well animated, kind of startlingly so, I mean, to a degree that I've never seen animals as well animated in a game as in Dreamfall. Uh, and again, to the extent that the camera can hold on them for a long time without you sort of getting bored saying, okay, it's an animal, it's not moving, let's move on. That doesn't happen, and, and the fact that they pulled off animation to that extent on the animals is kind of 
surprising. And there is a surprising attention to details in, in some ways. Like if you have a character, if you have Zoe standing on some steps, she'll stand not just straight as if she were standing on flat ground, but she'll stand with one foot on the upper step and the other foot on the lower step in a kind of more natural way, which is sort of an interesting little touch that I, I wouldn't have expected. Overall, the animation in the game is not Prince of Persia level, but it's not bad at all. The sound. The sound in the game is particularly great. I, I think the music is what really does a wonderful job of setting the mood in Dreamfall. Particularly the music at the beginning of Chapter 2, which is sort of pensive in reflection of how Chapter 1 closed out. And there are also some other musical pieces that occur when it's transitioning between scenes and between areas that are really great. It, again, it's like a movie, it's like a TV show, where they've got these little musical interludes where you're watching the characters doing their thing. And there's also a musical flourish at the beginning of Chapter 4, which feels right out of the movies. Overall, the music in Dreamfall is just absolutely top-notch. I mean, some of the best I've heard in games at all. I'm waiting for them to release a soundtrack, because if they do, I'm definitely going to buy it. The vocal tracks in the game, there are a few, and they're extremely good. And what's nice is that they're used sparingly. They don't really hammer you over the head with them. Some games, if they you know, manage to get a couple of real quote-unquote songs where they've got a, a person singing the lyrics, they think they've got to use them everywhere. And Dreamfall doesn't do that. The vocal tracks that Dreamfall has, they only use them in a few specific instances. And because they're restrained in their use of these vocal tracks, they have a lot more impact. Overall, the musical themes are, are used nicely to tie together moments, especially moments that have similar emotional points. So if you've got a moment that's kind of down, they'll play a similar music cue to you know, another moment that's emotionally down in maybe a similar way. Yeah, granted, that's not rocket science, and any you know, music person should be able to figure that out, but a lot of games don't really do that so well. And so Dreamfall definitely deserves merit for that. I don't really know enough about music to go into all the technical details of what they are or aren't doing. But as a layman, I think that the music in the game was really stellar. The other stellar part of the sound in Dreamfall was the voice acting. Because, as I've said, and I will continue to say, a lot of the time of the game is spent watching cutscenes. And there's so much voice acting that if it were not absolutely great all the time, it would really be a problem. Like Oblivion, every single line of dialogue in Dreamfall is spoken, so you know, having top-notch voice acting is just absolutely crucial. As far as I can tell, most of the voice actors and actresses that they hired are pretty much unknowns. There are a couple of people who seem to have done a little bit of work in the past, but some of the main characters, like the lady who voices Zoe, the lady who voices April Ryan, don't seem to have a particularly long acting history, and yet at least Zoe knocks it right out of the park. I'm going to talk about April in a minute. Ellie Conrad Lee is the voice actress for Zoe Castillo, and she does an exceptional job throughout the entire game. I don't know if there was a single time when she didn't do a great job delivering her lines. She has a lovely British accent, which is oh, gets my heart racing, and she always pronounces Spanish names properly. That's my father, Gabriel. And I think that they probably couldn't have cast someone more perfect for her role. And clearly, it's so important if you've got the main character who's going to be obviously speaking a lot of dialogue, you want to get someone who is up to the task. And Ellie Conrad Lee as Zoe Castillo was just the best casting I think that they probably could have done. Sarah Hamilton, who voices April Ryan and also voiced April Ryan in the previous game, The Longest Journey, is not so great. Uh, she's not awful, 
but her reading is kind of flat. It doesn't really seem to match her character all that much. I don't know if that's just her style. I haven't started playing The Longest Journey yet, so I can't say. I can't tell if that's just her style is to read the dialogue sort of in a passionless manner, or if she's trying to do this jaded and cynical thing that the game tries to kind of constantly remind you that she's upset. Whatever the reason is, and by the way, the whole jaded and cynical thing isn't a spoiler. Like I said, they tell you in the manual. Whatever the reason is, I, I think that she's maybe trying a little bit too hard to be unenthusiastic and unemotional. It's not that she's bad, it's just that she's not really interesting to listen to. I mean, if I didn't have to listen to any more lines of hers, I wouldn't really mind, whereas I liked listening to Zoe, and I liked listening to her involved in conversation. Sarah Hamilton didn't do that so much. Gavin O'Connor voices Keon, the third main character. He's also actually quite good, sort of vaguely reminiscent of Darth Maul in, in a few ways. Unfortunately, Keon gets the least screen time of the three characters, so you don't really get to experience his voice acting as much as the rest. But you know, when he is around and when he is doing the dialogue, he does quite good. He, I think maybe he's trying a little bit too hard to sort of play the devout religious type person a little bit. But there's some times when he really sort of breaks through and has very convincing voice acting. Daryl Allen Reed voices Charlie. I, I looked him up on IMDb. Apparently he's got a pretty good career, and so maybe that's one of the reasons he did a good job. Wonkers is voiced by Jack Angel. Wonkers is this doll, monkey character that Zoe has. It's kind of like a gadget that a lot of people have, like a pet robot monkey. And when I first saw screenshots of Dreamfall, I thought it was the creepiest looking thing in the entire game. I thought it, would ju it just creeped me the hell out. This purple monkey thing with a bizarre mask-like face that was like out of weird Japanese theater or something. It was just odd. And But then when I heard his voice, by the second line he was speaking, I was in absolutely in love with him. I mean, it was just a great read. And he had this wonderful sort of deep, soothing, calming voice that made him totally and completely endearing. He was one of my favorite characters in the game, even though he doesn't have an extensive appearance in the game, but when he's there, he's absolutely great. I think that he deserves particularly strong commendation. The rest of the characters in the game are all quite, well, almost all quite well voiced too. There are a few weak spots. The children have pretty bad voice acting. I think that, I don't know, I guess voicing children is extremely difficult. And there's one magical French chick who is just terrible, and I hope they made her pay them for her voice acting, because she was just awful. For what I have done, I am already dead. It just, ugh, she was terrible. Fortunately, she doesn't have very many lines. Maybe they intended her to have more and then cut them out. I don't know. I mean, I hope that they realized how bad she was and t tried to limit her damage to the game as much as they possibly could. But in general, all of the NPCs are quite well voice acted. They have good reads that make them distinct. They don't have weird accents. That's one thing that if you ever played the game for Xbox called Sudeki, every single character in that game had a different accent, and it was completely ridiculous. They had, you know, an Irish guy, and they had a Scottish guy, and then they had the Arab guy, and they had the Indian guy, and they had the Chinese guy, all just walking around and talking to each other in the same environment, as if, like, somehow these people all grew up in the same place and had totally different accents. So I don't know exactly what that's all about. Dreamfall doesn't have that at all. Dreamfall has quite good voice acting from all the characters. The accents aren't ridiculous, and to my ignorant American ear, they all seem fairly consistent from one to the next. So all the people in the same sort of area tend to have similar accents that aren't 
just completely disconnected from one another. Oh, and Sebastian, Dave, if you're listening, pizza's done. Fair dinkum. The characters in the game, as far as the voice acting goes, who are intended to be funny actually are, which is kind of an accomplishment in itself. What a mysterious and completely irrelevant door. Gameplay. This is a game designed to be played with a gamepad, even on the PC. It's technically possible to play it with a mouse and keyboard, but it's also technically possible to play Quake with just the keyboard and the arrow keys. It's not a good idea. You can play it with the mouse, it just doesn't work very well. The control is fairly sluggish, and you don't really have a cursor that you can move around the screen, except in when you're in the options menus and stuff. So it really doesn't work out very well. Gamepads are cheap, you can go buy them for you know, $15, so just go get one of those and deal. Loading between the areas of the game is extremely quick. I was very impressed with that. I don't know how it is on the Xbox, but on my PC it was taking five seconds or less to transition from one area to the next. And they're fairly extensive. I mean, they're not really tiny areas by any stretch. They're not huge, but they are definitely big enough that you can walk a little bit around them. The UI in the game is kept off-screen unless there's something relevant. So if there's something that you need to do, if there's a new message on your mobile, a little icon will show up. But otherwise, there's no UI on the screen at all, which I like. I, there are a couple other games that do that, too. I very much like that because it, it I feel it's a little bit more immersive to not have gadgets and health bars and things like that cluttering up the screen. There are no health bars in Dreamfall, but that sort of thing. I don't like having HUDs in games if, if that can be avoided. Dreamfall is... A very linear game and some people actually claim that it's not really much of a game at all for that very reason something that I'm going to talk about more at the end of the review and it this is kind of true there is basically no exploring or side quests or anything like that to do you can't even enter buildings that aren't relevant to the story and you always know what you're going to do next there's never any sort of ambiguity about oh should I go do this or should I go do this it's not like oblivion where they basically just throw you out in the world and say do whatever you want it's exactly the opposite of that you always know exactly what you're supposed to do next and if you don't like the story and if you don't what the hell is wrong with you I could see why that sort of game would bother you but this is kind of the point that I'll, I'll talk about later if you're looking for thumb blistering gameplay you've kinda of missed the point you're probably playing the wrong game the game is fairly short it's about maybe 10 to 12 hours which is about right. It took me, I think, two weeks to finish because I wasn't playing it consistently because I did have other demands on my time. Unlike most adventure games, Dreamfall does not have a lot of puzzles. And thank God, because I hate puzzles, particularly in adventure games. I hate puzzles in general. I don't like Tetris. There, I said it. I don't like puzzles very much at all, and that was one of the reasons that I don't really like adventure games all that much. And the total, almost total, and complete lack of puzzles in Dreamfall is what made me like it so much, because I don't like to have to go through all that ridiculous garbage where you've got, you know, a situation where you have to take the match and dip it in the water and rub it in the sand and then get the gum and stick it to someone's shoe so that they go running off, and then the match ignites and it sets the oil barrel on fire, that explodes and it knocks over the pipe, and then the pipe hits the fire, escapes, the ladder goes down so you can climb up it to get into the window. I mean, that kind of stuff is just sort of stock and trade of all the stupid adventure game stuff. Unfortunately, I think Longest Journey may have some of that, so I'm not looking forward to it from that perspective. But Dreamfall has none of that. There was only one puzzle in the entire game that was basically inscrutable to me. I will give you a vague hint. It involves musical notes in a cave, 
And so if you can't figure it out, well, it seems like a lot of people couldn't figure that out. I went to GameFAQs, got the answer, and moved on. The rest of them are quite easy. Again, this pissed off the adventure gamers who like to have totally ridiculous, inscrutable puzzles, but it makes the game accessible so that normal, rational human beings can enjoy it. So I think that's probably a good trade-off. Very rarely do you have something in your inventory. Well, never do you have anything in your inventory if you're not about to use it to solve a puzzle that's coming up very soon. And unlike a lot of adventure games, you don't get the thing where you go into your combine mode and you pick item A, and then you pick some other random item from your 45 item inventory. And the character says, I can't combine those things. And so you get the next one and try it and say, I can't combine those things. That doesn't happen in Dreamfall. If you've got a few items in your inventory, it's pretty clear what the one that you're going to need to combine with something else is. And you can see very quickly whether or not it'll combine with any of the other items in your inventory. And so you don't have to go through that ridiculous exercise of trying one combination after another after another. There are a couple of symbol matching puzzles which I didn't like very much, but fortunately they only appear a few times. Some of the puzzles in the game are maybe a little bit too obvious, which I personally I'd rather it err on the side of being too obvious. But there's, like for instance, there's one time where Zoe watches a video of a girl standing in a room and the girl points at this dresser slash closet and then Zoe having seen this says I think she wants me to go open that closet in room 201 well I think that everyone kind of understood that and so maybe that was kind of beating people over the head a little bit too much with the whole what you're supposed to do next thing but in general like I said I would prefer that they err on the side of being too obvious than on the side of being totally non-obvious and you know, driving people away because they get stuck and, and can't deal with it. There are a few times in the game that you go through a bit of a runaround just to accomplish something. I don't want to really talk about them in too much detail because that would spoil the story. But there are a few times where you'll go through five or six steps, sometimes more, to get something accomplished. And at the very end, it's like you might as well not have even bothered. Obviously, you have to to advance a story, but the story could advance just fine without doing it at all. Some of the chapters in the game, I believe there's a total of 13 chapters, are astonishingly short. I mean, extremely short, to the extent that you pretty much walk from one place to another place, you see the cutscene, and then it goes to the next chapter. Not that that necessarily matters, since the division of the chapters is kind of arbitrary. The first few chapters are pretty long, and some of the other chapters are extremely short, and then some are in between. The combat in the game is garbage, just complete and total garbage, and every review has talked about the game has said that the combat is crap, and they're totally right. It's sluggish, it's difficult to control, it's just not any fun at all. Fortunately, there isn't very much of it. It is sort of an interesting contrast to a game like Beyond Good and Evil, another game that I thought was excellent, which had even less combat than Dreamfall, and like I said, Dreamfall doesn't have much to begin with, but the combat in Beyond Good and Evil was exceptional. It was some of the most smooth and polished I'd ever played. I mean, right up there was something like Fable, which, whatever you may think about that as a game, had pretty decent combat. But unfortunately, Dreamfall doesn't. Dreamfall also has a few stealth sequences, which aren't really any better than the combat. Uh, again, it's the same thing, where fortunately there aren't very many of them. And the stealth sequences, there are ones where you're just hiding from stuff, and there are ones where you're actually sneaking, you know, using, like, you press down a button and your character sneaks. Those are the ones that really suck. The ones where you're hiding aren't too bad. I didn't have a problem with them anyway. But the ones where you actually have to hold down the sneak button, your character moves so slow. It's just, it's bad. Those stealth sequences aren't very good. 
in the game when you're watching the cutscenes, occasionally you will have a dialogue choice. And what's kind of interesting about them is that they're not presented as just a choice of what line you're going to say in response. You basically just get an emotional response. So angry or indifferent or, you know, outraged, whatever. Underneath, it'll sort of tell you kind of the thought process behind angry. Well, I can't believe she's doing this, that sort of thing. But you don't actually get to hear the line of dialogue until you choose something, which is kind of nice. It gives you more of a gut reaction to the situation, and you don't get the line of dialogue that's going to come out spoiled for you before you actually hear the character say it. Because let's face it, you know, if you're just choosing the line of dialogue, it almost becomes irrelevant for the character to even say it because you already know what it's going to be. And there are some interesting one-off gameplay moments too, one in particular that involves the dialogue, which are kind of a refreshing way to shake things up when the one in particular happened, and again I'm not going to talk about it in specifics, I was really surprised and impressed, and it only happened once, but it was a really neat twist, and it was a nice way to just kind of remind you that, hey, you know, sometimes things can happen that you didn't necessarily expect. I wasn't the biggest fan of the three character dynamic in general in the game. The only time it really worked for me is when they were all kind of in the same scene and that didn't happen all that much. As I've said, April was a little bit dull and it was trying too hard to be the, you know, jaded, bitter, cynic person. Keon didn't get a lot of time. I think they probably could have developed his character a little bit more. I, as far as I'm concerned, they really could have just stayed on Zoe the entire time and it would have been just fine that way. She's definitely one of the easiest to empathize with in the game. The only thing that was kind of redeeming about the three-character dynamic was, as I said, when they're all interacting together, it works quite well. And when they're all interacting together, because you've been playing as the multiple characters, you have a more complete picture of what's going on than the characters themselves necessarily do, which kind of makes it interesting from a, a sort of omnipotent perspective, you know, as the observer. And there are some really great conversations that occur that because you know where all the characters are coming from, the tension is just delicious, and it wouldn't be the same if you'd only experienced it from one character's perspective. And actually, speaking of tension, that's one thing that the game does in general, that it does brilliantly, is it has a lot of drama and dramatic tension without actually having a whole lot of action. It's, you know, it's kind of an easy way to make tension if you throw a person off a cliff and they're hanging on by their fingernails, but some of the most intense dramatic conversations in Dreamfall don't involve really action at all. It's people who are kind of diametrically opposed positions who are having conversations and you know this character is in one place and you know this character is in another place and you know that there is going to be something happening soon and you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop and it's beautiful and absolutely, I mean, you could cut the tension with a knife, it's brilliant. The world of the game, I mostly covered this in the graphics section. There are also some subtle Anarchy Online references, which, you know, if you know, it's the same company that made the game, Funcom, and the writer of Dreamfall, Ragnar Tornquist, I don't know if I pronounced his name properly, worked on both games. So there's some references, like you'll see the AO logo and some robots and other stuff like that. As far as I've heard, there are a lot of references to The Longest Journey in Dreamfall, but I haven't played that, so I can't be sure. I might play through Dreamfall again after I have played through Longest Journey, just so that I can see if I can spot some of the references. The one thing that I thought was sort of weak was the little girl in the game, who you see early on, so I'm not spoiling anything, looks suspiciously like the girl from Ringu. And I don't know if that's intentional, like it's you know, supposed to be a little joke, like, haha, we made a pop culture reference. 
but whatever the reason was, it was a little bit jarring, and I didn't like it so much because it was hard to take that part seriously. And you know, and it's not just Ringu that's done it too. I mean, there are other things that have little girls who say things mysterious, how creepy. So that was one thing that I could have done without. Story. Uh, story is incredibly difficult to talk about in this game without spoiling things because you know it really is a game all about the story, and that's what makes it so great. All of the technical details that make the game good are just kind of the support structure for telling a great story. As I said before, it flows very smoothly. It kind of bounces back and forth between sci-fi and fantasy with the two worlds where you've got Stark that's kind of Earth 2209 or something, and fantasy where you've got Arcadia. It never really becomes a problem. You would think that maybe it could be a little bit jarring going from you know hardcore sci-fi to hardcore fantasy. But, in fact, it doesn't become an issue at all. And the relationship between the two worlds is kind of interesting, and you can tell that there's more going on than meets the eye. That's a general thing about the game, is that it always kind of gives you just enough to get your mind going and start you thinking about something, but it never really just says, okay, here's what it all means. And that's nice, because it, there are two things about it that are nice. First of all, it's good because it makes you think, and if you have to think about stuff, then it's going to be a little bit more compelling. And also, it's good because it's a more realistic way to do the exposition. You learn what's going on as the characters do. And as I said, Zoe is basically the main character, and the one that you're going to empathize the most with. And so you sort of learn things that are going on in the world around you, kind of in the same way that Zoe does, just as they happen. There are some interesting story twists in the game because you don't necessarily know what's going to happen next. Sometimes you'll wind up going from one situation into something that was totally unexpected without having a scene transition where a person falls asleep or something like that. You'll, you'll just be going along doing what you expect to be the normal course of events and all of a sudden you'll find yourself in this environment where you're like, what the hell? And you can tell that clearly the writer knows what's going on, but he's kind of toying with you. He's, he's throwing you into these situations and saying, yeah, what do you think about this, buddy, huh? Zoe is, I think, the most interesting character in the story, so it's good that most of the time is with her. Like I said, I think she's the easiest for the player to identify with because she's got the same sort of sense of curiosity and bewilderment at what's going on around her that the players will. And also, she's just sort of young and interesting and not bitter and not cynical and not an extremist, which are some of the reasons that April and Keon are not quite as appealing. And so I think that she was a great a great character to be the lead, and you know, one of those great female leads that don't occur all the time in games, but it, it's good to have. The writers, particularly, I guess, Ragnar Tornquist, I don't know if he's the only writer, but the writers were smart enough to restrain themselves with some of the important characters in the game who will only show up maybe once or twice and it's sort of you can tell that they're laying the groundwork for something bigger and better that these characters are going to be a more important part of but they just want to sort of give you a little bit of a brief exposure to them now so that when they come in and start being more important later on you'll acknowledge and say oh yeah the character acting as I've touched on before, is, is quite good and it effectively conveys things like suspicion. So there are some characters in the game who you look at and you think, this person's up to something. And in a game where all the cutscenes are being done in the engine, that's tough and they actually pulled it off pretty well, despite sometimes, like I said, the facial animation being not super wonderful. But even still, the characters, partly because of the voices, partly because of their, their actions and their eye acting, managed to really pull it off. 
and the chemistry between the characters also feels very natural and it's not forced where they're trying to you know force these characters into some relationship that otherwise you don't really believe that they would have there were a couple of times the characters were talking about themselves which was a bit awkward and in particular this was with april whose father was a store clerk and i guess i'm gonna have to explain that i don't know maybe i already have in the podcast but one of the books that i have on writing talks about how you shouldn't lecture your readers and then in the next chapter it says and don't let your characters lecture the readers either and i'm gonna read to you a little bit of an excerpt from this so you can understand what i mean when i talk about april's father being a store clerk the author says usually dialogue is not a good vehicle for working in research information Characters tend to make dumb speeches for the author's convenience rather than talking like real people do. While dialogue does convey useful information in a story, and a lot of it, dialogue's primary function is not to give the author a thinly disguised way of dumping his lecture notes. Maybe you know the kind of lecture dialogue I mean. Charlie walked up and said, Why, hi there, Molly McBride, who was born in Albany in 1972 of poor but hardworking parents. Your father was a store clerk. How nice you look today, wearing that red blouse that goes so nicely with your shoulder-length blonde hair. My goodness, as I recall, you must still be married to Brad, the world champion tennis player whose last tournament appearance saw him reach the semifinals at Flushing Meadow where... You get the idea. So whenever I hear a person in a story talking about themselves or about another character in the scene, which does happen once or twice in Dreamfall also, I always go, your father was a store clerk! And so that's what that's a reference to in case you ever hear me say it at some other time. But, like I said, that only happens once or twice during the game, and most of the rest of the times the dialogue was extremely natural, people weren't acting out of character, and there's enough backstory going on that the temptation to unload all that information on the player must have been pretty high for the writers, and the fact that they managed to avoid falling into the father-being-a-store-clerk trap is, is impressive. It's nice because it makes you feel like there's a very rich world with a lot of things going on in it and it doesn't just smack you over the head with it everyone clearly has their own motivations they've got their own backstory and their history they've got their own culture and societal reasons for doing what they do and they're acting in accordance with them and in general to speak about the story and wrap up this little section of the review dreamfall is probably one of the few games i've ever actually considered playing through a second time which is something i never do so uh, I think the story is that good that I really want to see it again, just so that I can grasp all of it. Now, to wrap this whole review up, I'm going to cover the two main criticisms I hear uh, about Dreamfall from people on the net who are reviewing it or talking about it. The first one is that Dreamfall is not a quote-unquote game. And in a way, this is true. Dreamfall is a very long story with a little bit of interaction thrown in to break it up. But isn't that what all adventure games are about to begin with? In a way, Dreamfall is kind of like a Final Fantasy game, but without the random battles. And, you know, most people hate the random battles. So it's, you know, it's not bad at all. You go from one interesting story segment to another interesting story segment, and there's just a little bit of a breather in between. If you look at a game like, say, Dead or Alive, that's a lot of gameplay, interaction kind of stuff, with very little story thrown in. But, you know, you don't hear people buying a copy of Dead or Alive saying, man, I had to, like, beat people up all the time, and it was just all about beating people up, and I don't know what's going on or why people are doing stuff. There's no story at all. Because there really is no story at all in Dead or Alive. And, no, but Kasumi and Ayane, they really hate each other. Really, a lot. Seriously, there's you don't play a game like Dead or Alive for the story. You don't play a game like Dreamfall for the gameplay. So, 
accept Dreamfall for what it is. It's an extremely interesting and extremely well-told story. After I finished it, I was thinking about the whole not-a-game criticism, and I was wondering, well, maybe should Dreamfall have just been a very long movie? I thought about that a little bit, and I sort of came to the conclusion that I don't think it should. First of all, it would still be quite long, even if you trimmed out the story parts that were only related to doing stuff in the game. Even if you were to, to take all that stuff out, you'd probably still end up with a six, eight-hour movie. And, you know, you could break it up into parts, but I think that it's better told all at once. The interactive bits kind of give you a bit of a breather to digest and space out the gigantic chunks of exposition that go on in some of the longer cutscenes. And yet, the game still doesn't have cutscenes that are so long that you have to save in the middle of them, like Xenosaga. Which, yes, for those people who never played Xenosaga, it really had cutscenes so long that it gave you a save point in the middle. You would have 45 minutes of cutscene, and then it would say, do you want to save? And you would save, and it would give you another 45 minutes of cutscene. Dreamfall doesn't have that. And so, in, in that way, it does sort of a similar thing where you're basically and Xenosaga is very much the same way where they've got this big story that they want to tell but they're trying to tack a game onto it fortunately Dreamfall doesn't really concern itself with trying to make this you know amazing game which Xenosaga tried and failed at so the people who are saying that well you know there isn't a lot of gameplay in Dreamfall should probably you know just shut up because as the combat and stealth sequences show if they had tried to tack on a whole bunch of gameplay to Dreamfall, it probably wouldn't have worked out so well. And if they had tacked on more of the adventure game puzzles, that would have turned off a lot of people too. So, as it works out, I think it's paced very well, and I think that having a little bit of interactivity is good, and the fact that they didn't have more isn't really a problem. Some people got really pissed off about this. The guys who reviewed it, or the guy who reviewed it at 1UP gave it like a 4 out of 10, just because he thought that there wasn't enough gameplay in it. And the reviews have been kind of mixed. I'll talk about that in a minute. The other complaint about Dreamfall that some people have seemed to have is that there are too many questions raised and not answered at the end. You know, the people going, oh, I don't understand what's going on and I have to know right now! Right now! I get this sometimes on Falcon Twin. I've had a couple of people email me saying, basically, tell me everything that's going to happen in the next six months of strips. And I kind of find it amazing that they don't understand the whole point is you have to, you know, sit and wait for me to tell it. I know the Alpha Shade guys, I mentioned on their podcast, they get that same sort of thing. People had similar reactions to Fight Club where the end came along and they said, but I, I don't understand. Did, did like, they actually destroy all the credit unions and stuff? I, I don't know. Now, most people are intelligent enough to understand this, you know, in Alpha Shade and Falcon Twin and in Fight Club and in Dreamfall, that you're not supposed to know everything right away. But for the rest of you, this is part two of a three-part story. It's it's a trilogy. It was always intended to be a trilogy. You're not supposed to know everything right away. Even at the end, you're not necessarily supposed to know everything. You're not supposed to get all the answers. The game and the story isn't going to be told in such a way where it wraps everything up in a bow for you and gives it to you in a nice neat little package at the end and tells you what to think about it. That wouldn't be fun, especially in a game that's all about the story. You have to bring something to the table, too. You have to do some of the thinking. I know thinking is hard and that people don't like doing it, but give it a try and you can find out just how rewarding it can be for yourself. For me, playing Dreamfall, wanting to find out what was going to happen next, wanting to find out what everything meant in relation to each other, was what was so compelling about it. And that's why I felt that the ending of the game was totally perfect. There were some people who were very upset by the ending because it didn't tell them exactly what to think about everything. And perhaps 
I wasn't as bothered by it because I had heard in advance that some people were not so thrilled at the ending and other people thought it was great. But I thought that the way that the game ended and left you with a lot of stuff to think about was exactly right and exactly sort of in tone with everything else that was happening in the storytelling in the game. And even though I don't know everything that's going on, I have a lot of stuff to think about as a result of it, and I have another game to look forward to. You know that there is more story to look forward to, and I'd rather have something to look forward to than just know that everything's all over with now. I'm going to quote Ragnar Tornquist on his blog, who is himself quoting one of the characters from The Longest Journey. Tornquist says, After all, don't forget what Cortez said in The Longest Journey. To see, senorita, mystery is important. To know everything, to know the whole truth, is dull. There is no magic in that. Magic is not knowing. Magic is wondering about what, and how, and where. Based on Ragnar Tornquist's blog, it seems pretty clear that the next game is going to happen not right away. He's made it very clear that he's working on something else right now. Hopefully it'll happen less than six years from now. We'll have to see. Even if he doesn't do another game, he's promised that he's going to get the rest of the story out in some form or another, whether it's a movie, whether it's a TV show or a comic book, or post it on his blog. And even if that doesn't work, then he'll email it to people who want to know the rest of the story and, and really want to know. But, of course, that's assuming that he's not able to do another game, which hopefully he will be able to do. It sounds like the sales have been pretty good, especially for an adventure-type game. So, and I certainly encourage you to go out and buy it so that everyone can, can get the, uh, the rest of the story. Although, you know, we're going to get it anyway, one way or the other, but I think that it really would be best told in the game. It seems to be what he does and what he likes to do. The game, based on the reviews that I've seen, is a pretty polarizing game. People seem to either love it or they hate it. GameSpy gave it five stars and an Editor's Choice Award. One up, like I said, gave it a four out of ten. Obviously, I'm more inclined to agree with GameSpy here. I think that, you know, if you're complaining that the gameplay isn't any good, that you're missing the point entirely. If you look at the comments on Ragnar Tornquist's blog, it's the same sort of situation. Most people who are posting there think that it's really awesome and they love it and they're really appreciative that he had the game made. There are a couple of people who are outraged about it and they're posting there saying, you betrayed us, you asshole, you jerk. So, if nothing else, at least it got a response out of people, which is in and of itself kind of an accomplishment. If you want to check out his blog, it's ragnartornquist.com, R-A-G-N-A-R-T-O-R-N-Q-U-I-S-T.com. There are some spoilers for the game, especially ones where he's talking about the ending and what it means, and even then he's pretty vague. But there are spoilers in what he says, there are also some spoilers in the comments, so you may want to hold off on reading that until after you finish the game. Like I said, most of the complaints in the game are based around the two things that I just mentioned, and I don't think they have a lot of merit. One is basically people complaining that it doesn't live up to the standards of a totally different type of game, and the other is complaining that the writers aren't babysitting you and explaining every last little story point in stupidly excruciating detail. So, you know, that's easy enough to remedy. Do a little bit of thinking for yourself, and you might appreciate the whole thing a lot more. Final verdict on Dreamfall, The Longest Journey from Funcom, courtesy of Ragnar Tornquist. I have to say, who says games aren't art? If there's any game that's come out recently and proven what a retarded opinion that is, Dreamfall is it. Obviously, I wouldn't be bothering to review this game if I didn't think it was fantastic, because now I've got to edit a 45-minute podcast instead of the usual 20 minutes. I give Dreamfall three out of three tinfoil hats. It's outstanding. I loved it, and I strongly encourage you to check it out as well. 
If you have questions or comments, you think the game sucked and you want to tell me what an ass I am, you can email them to me via the link on the homepage. You can click the send me an audio button on the podcast page and leave me voicemail. Or you can post something in the forums. So there.